we are now going to uh, kick off our show by turning our attention to the climate uh, conference that took place in Glasgow, Scotland. It wrapped up this past uh, weekend, this past Saturday. A lot of disappointment with what came out of the conference on Saturday, November 13th, the UN Climate Change Conference known as COP26 came to a close. The conference which took place in Glasgow, Scotland has been described by many as a failure and a disappointment. And like many of the decisions that came out of the COP26 uh, climate summit, the final agreement has been widely critiqued as being weak and in effective. Waiting in the wings to speak with us is, is Tom Goldtooth. He'll be able to fill us in on everything we really need to know. Um, initially, negotiators at COP26 claimed they wanted a faster phase out of coal and fossil fuel subsidies. Afterwards, they pushed for ending what they described as unabated coal burning and inefficient subsidies. A third draft of the agreement suggested accelerating efforts toward their phase out. After being watered down and by the time diplomats finalized a text they could agree to, the term was downgraded to phase down um, of the use of unabated uh, coal. Uh, great weakening there. Although world governments have agreed to a weak climate deal, which only gets uh, some say slightly closer to holding temperatures to a rise of 2.5. Well, that remains to be seen. I don't think they're really close to 2.5 in terms of what they agree, agreed to. The fossil fuel lobby dramatically succeeded in watering down the push to phase out coal power, pledging instead to phase down. Developing nations of the global south, meanwhile, which have been hardest hit by climate change, were left with next to nothing. Many say that any chance of having uh, fast rising emissions by 2013, of halving those, cutting them in half, the stated goal of the talks, is now just about impossible and frontline indigenous communities and environmental activists have reacted by calling for renewed actions against climate devastation. And meanwhile, U.S. President Joe Biden has attempted to sell himself as a progressive on the issue of climate change, in contrast to Donald Trump, who after all ca called climate change a hoax. However, many say that Biden's actions at COP26 have shown the limited scope in which the United States is willing uh, to truly um, work on climate change, in particular working with frontline communities in the United States as well as developing countries to meet international climate goals. Biden's climate envoy, John Kerry, is, is, is staying firm on U.S. positions around money for developing countries. They've been staunch in setting limits on how much cash the United States will give to help worse off countries adapt to climate change. These are, are countries, by the way, who are not the main emitters of uh, to cause climate change, but who are paying the heaviest price. Many have urged um, Biden to remove provisions promoting logging, forest biomass, and fossil fuels from the multi-trillion dollar infrastructure and reconciliation Build Back Better bills. 
Although wealthy countries are overwhelmingly responsible for climate devastation, we know who pays the highest price. But global uh, North countries are focused on mitigation, not on adaptation, and it's funds to help uh, those who are on the front lines uh, to adapt to combat environmental devastation has become a major point of contention as countries of the global north, in particular the United States, are balking at paying up. And many have pointed out that the global north nations are trying to transfer its responsibilities for the climate crisis onto uh, indigenous communities internationally and the rest of the developing world. So um, here we go. We are thrilled and, and delighted, actually. It's an honor to welcome back to Sojourner Truth, Tom Goldtooth, Executive Director of the Indigenous Environmental Network. Tom Goldtooth has been awarded with recognition for his achievements through the past uh, four decades as a campaigner for social change and indigenous-based just transition within indigenous and environmental and climate justice movements. From the strength of his community organizing and leadership, he has brought the local issues of environmental, economic, energy, climate, water, and food justice, and the rights of indigenous peoples to the national and international levels. He's won numerous awards, including the Gandhi Award and the Sierra Club's highest recognition, the John Muir uh, Award. Um, Mr. Goldtooth is a Sundance leader. He is an icon. He's a, a dad, a grandpa, and a great-grandfather. He was in Glasgow um, for the events that took place there around the UN conference. Tom Goldtooth, thank you so very much for joining us. I'm not hearing uh, Tom Goldtooth. Is he on the line with us? Okay, I think you are going to. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, Tom, are you there? Yes, I can hear yeah. you now. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Tom. I know how busy your schedule is, and we appreciate well, you joining us. And you'll be able yeah, to break it all down for us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, I think uh, thank you for your intro. That kind of really did a good breakdown. But uh, you know, I you know, I try to be positive on these meetings, and a lot of people took part from all over the world. Again, you know, one of our concerns, you know, going to this uh, COP26 was just that the difficulty our brothers and sisters from the global south, our indigenous peoples, you know, just had struggles just to get to the COP. Um, but uh, nevertheless, yeah, it, it was the COP was scheduled to end on Friday afternoon. But again, the folks upstairs in major northern industrialized countries, you know, the banks, large NGOs, the corporations, they all wanted an agreement. Um, and so they went into Saturday as an overtime. But, you know, you know, it, the the result was not an achievement you know of the of the most uh, ambitious goal of of um, the 2015 paris agreement that we were part of and that's to limit you know mother earth's warming you know to 
1.5 degrees Celsius. It figures out to about 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, and many of the delegates left frustrated, you know, uh, you know, and and there were quite a number of of countries that felt that hey, they were forced to compromise in order to come out of that that uh, that uh, you know that meeting. And uh, in in my my analysis is that you know the outcome of this uh, UN meeting you know locks us into another decade of false solutions. You know, and it's all part of colonialism that we've been fighting. And again, I mean, we're going to see more uh, pipelines. We're going to see more tanker travel, you know, trains. We're going to see the continuation of the extraction and the combustion of fossil fuels. You know, and our, you've heard me say this before, but this is, this is a unbridled violence upon the sacredness of our mother earth you know it's nothing more nothing less than that you know it's going to be the expansion of what we've been elevating and and uh, around false solutions of carbon markets uh, cap and trade like what's implemented in california uh carbon offsets is part of that you know geoengineering techno fixes carbon capture and storage and and also you know large financing initiatives investments that really will that will allow historical polluters to ramp up their you know domestic here in the US and Canada but global fossil fuel production and which will only intensify you know the, the climate crisis and so you know, I, I am concerned. Our delegation, we brought 18 people, Native people from the U.S. and Alaska. Our sister organization, uh, Indigenous Climate Action Canada, also brought about the same number. We brought some people with us from Brazil as well. And, um, yeah, um, you know, the consequences here are going to be dire and and will impact, you know, uh, our survival, I think it's that intense, especially our brothers and sisters of the Arctic. The ice is melting up there. Um, and, uh, you know, we try to lift up, you know, when we're there, uh, you know, a lot of this, the, the issues of concern. And there were a lot of of, of uh, community-based organizations from throughout the world uh, organizations like Friends of the Earth as well, USA Greenpeace, um, and many others that uh, agreed with us that uh, that the government cannot allow the continuation of these false solutions as part of their mitigation and adaptation plan. But nevertheless, you know, money talks in those hallways. We were, you know, we were very, you know, strengthened. By, by the voices of our indigenous peoples globally that called it out, you know, and one of our, our uh, one of the chiefs in our delegation from the Hunakwai people from Acre, Brazil, um, you know, said it like it was in, in a large event. He said there's lack of spirituality in these negotiations. 
And that's been, you know, quite consistent. And our analysis is that as indigenous peoples, you know, we have original instructions. We have traditional knowledge that uh, our solutions, and we did talk about these, um, but, um, you know, we're dealing with an uh, industrialized society that's been removed from understanding their their relationship and their duties and responsibilities to to protect that sacredness of Mother Earth and Father Sky. And... Uh, but there was a lot of progress, I believe, in, in the organizing being done by indigenous peoples with, with other organizations. You know, there were over, what, uh, you know, there were about 100,000 people in the streets of Glasgow on the Global uh, Action Day, the March, and the People's Summit, which is an alternative civil society events that happened during these governmental meetings. and. So I was uh, very inspired by the by the uh, the growing concern uh, throughout the world on these issues, and uh, uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Definitely, as we come home to the United States, uh, there's a lot of work as we look at the bipartisan legislation, uh, the infrastructure legislation. Uh, and they're moving pretty fast, uh, and carved into those are false solutions that aren't going to uh, get uh, the United States to fulfill its pledges uh, on cutting back its emissions. It's full of false solutions, uh, carbon capture and storage and carbon pricing mechanisms that do not cut emissions at source. Uh, a lot of people think that it does. It doesn't. Um, not at the level that we need. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of organizing work state by state, uh, community by community to, uh, you know, put create that political will of the politicians uh, to, to make real to make real solutions and real reductions. Uh, so we got to look at... Uh, these initiatives that's coming out of Congress and, and be really critical of them um, and, and lift up, uh, uh, you know, real solutions that has been coming out of community. Um. Right. Yes. And, and, and Tom Goldtooth, I mean, even as we speak, headlines are saying that an atmospheric river is flooding uh, the Pacific Northwest, at least one person missing, a school's closed, hundreds of people having to be rescued. So increasingly, everywhere we are, we are feeling the impacts of climate change. But I want to focus a little bit on what you're calling a false solution. And uh, what could be solutions? Because, for example, we know that on indigenous lands, uh, the issue of mining, whether it's the Navajo Nation with the uranium uh, mining, the Apache people who have been at Oak Flat are resisting um, as they could the fact of uh, the their most sacred land being given over to one of the largest uh, copper mining uh, places in the world. Uh, so we we see that kind of destruction happening. But when it comes to some of the rare earth and some of the mining, uh, the copper mining in particular, that's 
needed. Copper is needed for batteries, for solar, for electric cars. And I don't think uh, a lot of people are thinking about how this could be done or even about the devastation happening on indigenous lands to try to uh, get this material uh, that will help to so-called create the green economy. I wonder if you have some thoughts on this, Tom Goldtooth. Well, definitely. Um, I think one of the one of the things that I have spoke about is that in in the United States, there's an addiction to extraction. There's an, an addiction to energy and waste. We waste too much, um, and uh, and a lot of these discussion in this country, uh, I still do not hear enough from politicians willing to address the issue of. We're using too much energy, and we really need to address that issue. We consume too much. Um, and uh, this concerns also, you know, when we shift away, uh, when we shift, you know, away from a fossil fuel economy, and that's something we are pushing as IEN. But also, we have to also work on uh, educating Americans that, are we going to shift away from a fossil economy to uh, an energy uh, demand that really is not sustainable? You know, just how many uh, solar installations and wind turbines and, and water generators do we need to meet an unsustainable energy addiction of the U.S.? That really needs to be addressed. Because that relates also to alternatives, you know. Uh, all, you know, most of these, uh, like solar systems and wind turbines, depend on batteries as well. So that we have to start asking some serious questions in this country um, and how we're going to make this transition. You know, we talk about moving away from capitalism, but where are we moving to? Are we moving towards socialism? Are we moving towards other isms? We really need to have this discussion, uh, you know, and it's uh, it's going to involve all cultures to do that. You know, I, I did talk about some of the solutions, you know, that that we also are doing, such as our recent report uh, uh, that IEN did with the Oil Change International titled Indigenous uh, Resistance Against Carbon. That revealed that, uh, you know, indigenous resistance to carbon over the past decade, that's fossil fuels, that our resistance has stopped projects equivalent to 400 new coal-fired power plants or roughly 345 million new passenger vehicles. So this resistance that we have, that we have in this country from frontline Indian country including Canada, uh, has been able to, to, uh, to have substantial, you know, uh, uh, solutions. Um, and, uh, you know, we will continue. We will continue to fight the fight on the front line where we need to. But I think we're also seeing that part of this fighting the fight in front line is, in, is, is within the matrix system. We've been engaging, you know, cautiously 
We've been engaging on, 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 on the Hill in Washington, D.C., on policy changes, and that's really challenging, definitely, because many of our, our uh, Native uh, organizations don't have a policy culture, I mean, U.S. colonial culture to change policy. But, uh, you know, we have some good folks, uh, and we're engaged in front line on some of those areas. And so it's going to be a lot of battles. And, and this matrix system that I mentioned a lot, you mentioned false solutions. You know, it is around this issue of carbon markets uh, and geoengineering technologies. And, uh, and uh, we're tasked with trying to break that down. What is that, and what does that mean to us as Native people? If we're going to, for an example, participate in carbon credits as tribes, how do we reconcile our traditional knowledge participating in the system that's part of the privatization of air, of carbon, the trading of carbon? Before we bring uh, carbon into a market system, you have to determine whose property right issue it is. So it's a property right issue. It's a privatization issue. That violates a lot of that traditional knowledge that I've, I've heard and learned uh, from many of our different tribal peoples. But we do have some tribes participating in it now, carbon markets, carbon trading. And, uh, you know, it's a serious issue for Indian country as well as the rest of the uh the communities here in this country and the world, we got indigenous peoples that are losing land, land grabs from these market systems. Where the bottom line is the polluters who are buying the carbon credits in the trees in the Amazon. So they end up owning the trees, not our indigenous wow. peoples. So when it comes right down to it, the, the market system of trading of carbon uh, is a speculative system, and uh, there's a lot of protectionism from the investors in the trading regimes that worry about the value of, the, of, of carbon in these trading mechanisms going up and down. The more that you can protect the trees that the polluters own from being, being uh, uh, cut by local communities, that's, a, that's emerging as a big factor to to where there are actually parks, ranger parks, uh, park rangers in Ecuador that prevent indigenous people from going into their forested areas to get items out of there, to get the materials. So it's a serious issue. Um, and uh, the, the Build Back Better Act uh, on the Hill, you know, we need to really look at that because the language in there does allow the increase of fossil fuel subsidies. It, it's nearly doubling tax credits for carbon capture and storage at power plants. Uh, it's the top of the, you know, of the billions in new fossil fuel subsidies, even though there's some language that, uh, that Biden said is that they're going to they're address the subsidies issues. But right now, it, it's in there and how we're going to make sure that our politicians are walking the talk. 
Absolutely. And uh, Tom Goldtooth, I, I know your, your time is limited, mm -hmm. but I also wanted to ask you this about uh, the land itself, because one of the things I keep hearing from indigenous communities and the, the rights of Mother Earth and uh, just looking at the land itself, we see the land being poisoned in all of the ways that you have, have described. Also, you know, there is the slogan, keep the oil uh, in the soil, but also we know that uh, many, uh, you know, the uh, huge amounts of money are being given to agro business who are then using GE trees, all kinds of pesticides that then go into the soil, pollute uh, the water, and certainly in indigenous communities, but also some uh, black communities in, in the South and elsewhere, uh, plants that are used for ceremony, plants that are used for healing, uh, then become uh, polluted. So the issue also, uh, you know, I wonder your thoughts on this and about uh, the movement of people who are saying, oh, wait a minute, we have to uh, respect the soil, the land in and of itself and stop this and actually do the work as some people in India, some villages have started doing of soil regeneration. But it also, soil regeneration also has to do with a lot of the ways that indigenous people traditionally have grown food. You know what I mean? Without uh, the pollution, without the, the GE trees. I wonder if you could talk about that aspect uh, also uh, of, you know, stopping uh, climate change. Tom Goldtooth. Yeah. yeah, there's some terminology that, uh, you know, I'm always cautious on how I throw that out because it, 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 it all has definitions. Uh, you know, such as nature-based solutions. That terminology was very popular at the COP26. We saw it come out in Madrid in 2019 at the Conference of the Parties COP25, nature-based solutions. And uh, we looked at it, and people say, you know, well, what's, what's about time? The governments and the corporations... And the financiers, you know, starting to learn that they have to protect nature, you know. But we looked at it, it was just a rebranding of using carbon offsets and carbon market systems in biodiversity and soils and land and trees and atmosphere. Um, and I spoke to this just last week about you know, planting the seeds of climate chaos is a big issue, confusion. Uh, and we know that Mother Earth breathes, her soils breathe, the, the exchange between the atmosphere and the carbon and plants and trees and grasslands and mangroves, you know, there's an exchange that's happening. That's part of that sacredness of that cycle of life. Even the whole universe breathes. But right now, when we talk about now not only the inclusion of trees in a carbon offset market system, now the matrix is venturing into soils to sequester carbon in the soil. So they're approaching farmers and uh, tricking them to use their farms so the U.S. government and big oil can, can, can pollute more while pretending to save the climate. So again, 
where does that money come from when a farmer is approached or a tree, people that own trees are say, we'll give you money, you know, and uh, to protect your trees and not to turn your soils, uh, to sequester the carbon in your soils. By the way, that also involves introducing some GMO climate-friendly seeds as well because the polluter now buys the carbon in the soils with the idea that it's going to regenerate the soil, restore the soil. Uh, so, you know, it, it's our indigenous farmers, you know, who plant original native seeds that feed humanity. And we've been rejecting these GMO climate-friendly seeds. So it's a question of, you know, this forced choice around money and the temptation of money that is a temptation of betraying the very essence of our being and and applying our traditional knowledge it's very important that says that so-called farming carbon that's a goal of the also this you know US has a, an agriculture innovation mission for climate it's called AIM4C um, that it's carbon farming that's promoted by Monsanto it's promoted by McDonald's. It's promote, promoted by the by the uh, petroleum industry that perverts the creative principles of Mother Earth. So growing carbon credits instead of food, uh, so big oil can keep on fracking and drilling and making global warming worse, creates the climate chaos that 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 our delegation saw at the COP25. And, and it's, a, it's a spiral of compounding change. Orrin Lyons uh, told me one time to use compounding change in 2002 in Johannesburg, South Africa. And we use that word because this change that's happening is compounding in many different circles and levels uh, in our life here on the planet. So... Uh, you know, our voice is that, you know, we reject, uh, you know, the polluters and their carbon cowboy brokers of carbon offsets, uh, asking our farms, our farmers, native and non-native, to be a carbon sponge for corporate pollution instead of cutting admissions of source. Again, this, this carbon offset stuff does not cut admissions at source. It's a trading instrument. That's what it is. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Tom Goldtooth. We do carry um, the link with the website of the Indigenous Environmental Network on our website here at Sojourner Truth. And so we encourage people to go to the website. Just incredible work that Indigenous Environmental Network has done. And over the years, we've tried to do what we can uh, to support uh, your efforts. And, and Tom, just be, before, you have to, before you have to jump off, off. Any uh, quick final thoughts for us as we are moving, looking to move forward? Tom Goldtooth. Well, again, uh, you know, we've been very consistent with trying to educate and, and wake up the world that they have to, 
you know, the world has to reevaluate its relationship to the sacredness of Mother Earth. Uh, that's really important, especially coming out of this meeting. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that value system of humanity defines the legal, the legal instruments. If, if humanity doesn't understand those original instructions that we have, that defines how we walk on Mother Earth uh, and defines our duties and responsibilities and respect of Unchimakal, the Grandmother Earth, and our relationship, you know, to the sky and the universe and to all life. If humanity doesn't have that, then, you know, we're really in, in a situation to where I, you know, I do have some fears. Uh, about policies that are being developed to 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 address uh, climate change and address the over uh, uh, consumption of of Mother Earth's uh, uh, life forms in this in this world too, the oceans and uh, again, you know, the final frontier that I believe is existing that we need to have a wake up call is this movement towards the financialization of nature itself. It's a part of a colonial system. It's a global economic globalization process right now that privatizes the air we breathe. It, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it uses the term net zero, you know, net zero, net, you know, zero emissions, they're, they're based upon the assumption that fossil fuel emissions can be compensated for by carbon offset. So we're saying no to net zero. We need real reductions, real solutions, and keep fossil fuels in the ground. Tom Goldtooth, I'm sure that was the message. There's a famous photo of you meeting Prince Charles of, of England uh, when you were there, and I'm pretty sure you had a similar message to him that you're sharing with us right now. So we appreciate you, we appreciate your work, and thank you for taking the time to join us and break this all down for us. Tom Goldtooth, thank you. Yeah, thank you.